Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This month, we are bringing to you our July Community Connections, which I always feel is one of my favorite shows. Don't you, Denise? Well, it's nice because it brings us together more as community. And I think a lot of times when we read these, someone out there is listening and saying, oh my God, that's my story too. Yeah, exactly. And it makes us all feel like we're in this together. And it's nice for Denise and I to hear your feedback as well. So we know, you know, what you want to hear more of or what's really resonating with you guys. And this week, we've got some wonderful questions and some really fantastic life affirming signs and synchronicities from the universe that we look forward to sharing with you. So join us, won't you, around the virtual table. Denise, would you like to start us off? I'd love to. Thank you. Uh, This first story question statement (laughs) says, uh, so my husband and I have been trying to get pregnant for about five years now, and we recently started the IVF process. Last week was my egg retrieval procedure. The night before my procedure, I asked my guides to show me a sign that they were with me on this journey and for my procedure. My husband's nickname for me is Bird, and so we've been calling our soon-to-be baby Mini Bird. So I asked my guides to show me a bird before my surgery the next morning at 6.30 a.m. I realized I wasn't giving them much time, but I was hoping they could pull it off. We left the house at 4.15 a.m., and it was so dark. I was starting to worry I wouldn't see anything. I looked everywhere on our 10 minute drive and didn't see anything. Then inside the waiting room, I looked at every picture and magazine and didn't see anything. They took me back and got me prepped for the procedure. I was starting to feel disappointed that I didn't see a sign and caught myself wondering, how do we even know if any of this is real? But then I thought about all the validations that have come on the readings that I've done so far and how amazing it's been. So as I was sitting there prepared for prepped for surgery and waiting to be wheeled away, all of a sudden a patient coming off the anesthesia was babbling to the nurse about her macaw bird. The nurse started telling her how she also had a macaw bird and they were sharing all these stories about their birds. I didn't think anything of it because I was hearing a lot of other patient stories as they were coming out of the anesthesia and I was working on my breathing to stay calm. After the procedure, I slept for a while on our couch. When I woke up and was finally coming out of the anesthesia, all of a sudden the bird conversation popped into my head. I realized that I didn't give my guides enough time to show me a bird. Their way of showing me the sign was the patient and nurse talking about their birds. I was so grateful and amazed. I felt guilty for the second of doubt that I had, but I know that they always come through. Thank you both so much for all you do. I'm so grateful for all I've learned from you both. Asking for signs is such a beautiful gift that you have taught us. Thank you, Molly. I love this because once, if we trust, and and I'm finding that a lot in my own personal work right now, trust what they give you, be open to how it shows up. And it is absolutely amazing. And you and I have talked about this a bit, that things seem to be manifesting and showing up really, really fast right now. So you know, that that old caveat, be careful what you what you wish for, careful what you ask for. But in this sense, I think trust that you will get your answer and be open to how it presents. Oh, yeah, so beautifully said. And I'm really happy she received that sign in that moment, because going through that procedure can be incredibly stressful physically and emotionally. And to have that extra confirmation sometimes is just the extra push we need. And and I just want to say, please don't ever feel guilty for doubting. I think it's part of being a human. And I think it's also part of being a reasonable, rational person. And what I love about working with spirit guides, I mean, I love working with angels, but I love working with guides because I know they've been human too. And so they know they know what it's like to be filled with doubt all the time. I mean, just imagine if when it's your time a hundred years from now to transition to the other side and let's say your guide says, wow, you did such a fantastic job that you're going to be a spirit guide. (laughs) (laughs) And imagine if you were guiding a young person on their spiritual journey and they doubted you all the time, would you be mad? Would you quit your job as their guide? Would you be like, well, forget you. I'm not giving you any more signs. No, of course not. You would understand and you would just gently say, I need to show her more signs. 
So I just want to remind people, don't ever feel guilty if you if you doubt. I think it's it's really important to doubt. It's how we discover what we truly believe. Yes, and I think that it's a good sign that you're you're being rational about it as well. I know that's an odd word to use. I, I'm trying to make a big decision right now, and I asked to see a bluebird. We don't have a predominance of bluebirds here in this part of the state where I live. And I walked down to the park with the dog, and I saw this little fluttering in the trees. And I thought, oh, my God, is that a bluebird? No, that's not a bluebird. That's too faded. That's not. And I doubted it, and I wouldn't believe it. And I came up, and I looked in my bird books, and it was a female bluebird. And I, mm, I, I don't know. Maybe I just thought I saw a bluebird. I should have taken a picture of it. So then a couple of days later, it, it came up on, on the damn Facebook feed, this picture of like a dozen bluebirds in a, in a bird feeder, in a bird bath. And I thought from the Audubon Society was where this came from. And I thought, okay, you're good. And I always like do this, <laughs> this high five to spirit in my own, like in my own little world, I'll like put my hand up like, okay, high five to you. That's amazing. Because, but the other key was I wasn't looking for it when it showed up on the feed. I wasn't conscious of it. I wasn't thinking about bluebirds. I wasn't worried about my sign. So I think that's a, another part of this is let it come in when you when you least expect it. Yeah, because otherwise it could be paradelia effect where your brain is just filtering everything out and only looking for bluebirds. And similar with our listener, you know, she had kind of said, oh, well, I didn't give them enough time and surrendered it. And that's when she heard them talking about the macaw birds. Mm-hmm. You know, I recently asked for a sign too last week, Denise, and my sign with my guides is always a purple flower, which in hindsight, really not the best choice, especially where I live in the spring and summer. So I'm driving into my neighborhood and I'm like, son of a bitch, everyone has planted purple flowers. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they were everywhere. And I thought, this is not my sign. And so I came home and I'm like, well, I guess I'll just have to pick a different sign or rethink this. And I, there's a fly in my house and I'm trying to trap it so I can let it go. And I have this, uh, I have crystals on my windowsills everywhere. And in one of the cluster crystals, I put an air plant. I've had this air plant for almost 10 years and it's always just hanging out there. Do you, you know what an air plant is, right? Yeah. Okay. So they grow on air and, and I just love the symbolism of an air plant because sometimes I feel like I'm an air plant, you know, like you don't have to give me water. You don't have to give me anything. I'm going to keep on keeping on, you know, like, mm-hmm. like that middle finger song that I love. Like I'm just going <laughs> to keep going anyway. So I've had this air plant forever. Last week it bloomed into a purple flower. Oh, I didn't know that they, I have to research this. It started like the base of it. It's kind of red out of the green. And then this purple bloom is coming out of the air plant. I didn't even know they did bloom. I didn't either. It feels kind of magical. Oh, it's very magical. I was like, there's my sign. All right, let's move on. Our next one says, I was just listening to the June talk of your father with Alzheimer's and other people with dementia. And the idea that they have one foot on this side and one foot on the other side. I had wondered about this possibility with my own father eight years ago. He had advanced dementia and after a fall was in the hospital for quite a while. His broken leg was fixed, but in rehab, he was terrified of getting out of bed for physical therapy. He would hang on to the rail that prevented him from falling out of bed and ended up with a kidney affection and passing away. His older brother, George, had passed many years before. They had been close, and in his dementia, we were able to soothe him when he most needed it by talking of George coming to see him. Exactly a week before he died, I woke up at 3 a.m. and was facing a wall, but it was as if I was looking out a window on a summer's day. Beautiful blue sky, my dad and his brother, George, dressed in cricket whites and both looking healthy, much younger, 40s or so and I could even see perspiration on their faces. They were smiling broadly at me, and I understood they were letting me know they were going back to the game, and their bodies were turned towards the field. It was amazing. Then for the next week, I kept hearing part of a song in my head, an oldie, the 12th of never. You ask how long I'll love you, I'll tell you true, until the 12th of never, I'll be loving you. He passed away a week after seeing the image. 
Since then, I have off and on had snatches of different songs that I thought could be from him. He loved music. And in his last years, when I visited, he would play on the keyboard together, taking turns. At times, I feel he is here. If that wasn't enough, the same day he passed, my mother, who had become ill, both were 88, due to not taking care of herself, was in bed with the radio on. She said to me, did you hear that? The news had announced roads blocked around where dad had lived as a child during the first part of World War II in London, England. Not a famous place, so hearing the actual street names he lived on was a huge surprise. We wondered if it was a message that he was okay, and I'm so glad she heard that. This particular June talk felt very validating given my experience with my dad. I now feel it was possible he was communicating in that week before he passed. Samantha and Denise, your podcast are great. Love your happy vibes and all the amazing subjects you cover. You are both a light for me in this crazy world. Sending you both love, light, and healing, Linda. Wow. Isn't that an amazing story? Oh, it's beautiful. I would recommend if, Linda, if you haven't heard of the Raymond Moody book, Glimpses of Eternity, it's a book about shared near-death experiences. So it's not exactly what you're describing, but I think you'll understand why I'm recommending it. What I've learned from listening to my dad, and I think I mentioned this in June, I do believe that people with Alzheimer's, dementia, who anyone who is kind of, you know, trapped in their body or trapped in their mind towards the end of their life, I think they're doing their life review while they're here. I think that they are spending a good portion of their time when they're not aware on the other side. And, and I just so, so thank you for taking time to email us this story because it validates what I feel and sense and have heard from my dad that yeah, they really are visiting heaven when they are feeling stuck and trapped in their body and their mind. And so you saw him playing cricket with his brother, George. And don't you love the way she described it? it to me, it's almost like she woke up in a, and a screen from heaven was projected on her wall. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Yes. I just think that is so amazing. And yes, whenever a song pops into your head out of nowhere, you need to take that and really think, okay, is this a lingo to a commercial I heard on TV? Was this on the radio before I got out of the car? If the answer is no, if you haven't heard that song all day, you haven't thought of it in a long, long time, to me, that is always spirit talking to you and sending a message. Music is one of their preferred ways to send us messages. And for your dad and you, since you already had that music connection, I would definitely pay attention to songs that you hear. My dear friend, George, who was a music major in college, often sends me signs through music. And this is continually validated. Whenever I talk with other mediums, they'll say, gosh, I'm I'm hearing Piano Man by Billy Joel, or I'm hearing Crash Into Me by Dave Matthews Band, you know, two songs that he loved to play. So pay attention to that. And, And then the fact that he gave your mother the names of two roads he grew up on in a news broadcast. And your mom knew, she knew that was from him. And, and I think that first instinct of, huh, is that from dad? Is that from my mom? Is that from my sister in heaven? That first question you have, you've got to trust that. That's your intuition. I love, love, love that. The way you describe that. And I was recently talking with a friend and she had lost someone close to her and they had a music connection And that is one of the top ways that people come through with spirit. Or if you get a song stuck in your head and it doesn't make sense from spirit, pay attention to the lyrics because that can also be the message that's coming through. But she was going to a different state to be there for a memorial and she rented this car and turned on the radio and the old Neil Young song, um, Heart of Gold, you know, Searching for Heart of Gold. And that was a song they had split up and then got back together And that was the song that he had kind of wooed her back into the relationship with. And so she, a couple days later, she got in. So it happened probably three times in four days. And that's not a common song to hear on the radio as much as it used to be. So it it fascinates me how they'll find a way to get our attention in a way that has meaning and depth for us. What a beautiful gift. It really is. And people will often say to me, well, how does that work? What do they take over the DJ for those five minutes and 
you know, put it in his mind, play this song. I don't know. Sometimes I'll be in the grocery store pushing my cart through the aisles, which just seems like I do every day, right? But I'll be pushing my cart through the aisles and I'll hear a song that is connected to George and I'll think, how did you do that? You know, how did you, how did you do that? So I, I don't think it's for us and our little baby consciousness to understand, but, but they do do that. And oh. the more that we honor it and say, thank you and talk about it and recognize it, it builds that link, that connection between us and our loved ones in spirit. And it makes it so much more easy for them to continue sending us those signs. Exactly. Very, very well said. Uh, our next one. Hi, Samantha and Denise. I have a long question, probably too much backstory, but I hope you'll be able to cover it in one of your Q&A shows. I really appreciate the empathic yet apolitical stance you've taken during the pandemic, and I'd appreciate some insight into a problem I'm having as the world reopens. Here it goes. How can I begin to forgive and trust my community again? I feel this year has illustrated how little we all care for each other. I might be clouded emotionally by my own experience early in the pandemic because I was diagnosed with an autoimmune issue that caused a serious heart complication in my youngest child during my pregnancy. Quite frankly, it's a miracle that my baby was born at all and she was born in late March of 2020 at a hospital that had a freezer truck outside to house the excess bodies from the first wave of COVID. I've spent the last year plus trying to protect my family and my community from the spread of COVID. I live in Florida, which reopened almost immediately and I felt so alone. So often I've been told, if you're so scared, stay home. So I did for over a year with three small kids while working full-time without a lot of support. I've made tough choices and I stand behind all of them. Now I can't stay home anymore. I'm expected to return to my office in August and my children are heading back to school. I feel just as scared, if not more scared than I have all year. The Delta variant is spreading so fast and my unvaccinated children are out in the world. There are no mask mandates, no social distancing measures, and I have no idea who's vaccinated or not. I feel so vulnerable and sad and so very angry. I'm angry with my state and local government. I'm angry with my workplace. I'm angry with my extended family who thinks the measures I've taken this year are absurd. I'm angry with the CDC. I'm angry with people who have con conflated a public health issue with a political one. I'm angry at an education system that has left huge swaths of people either unable to understand basic biological concepts or distrustful of science in general. I'm angry with an unchecked media that treats both sides as equal when there is a dispute on a matter of fact, not a difference of opinion. I'm angry with media that traffics in misinformation so as to not alienate viewers, users, or jeopardize an ad revenue. I'm disgusted with humanity, and in my more shameful moments, I've implored these peoples and groups to just effing die. I don't want to be this person. I try to assume the very best of people, but I'm having more and more difficulty interacting with the world. I now eye the people I meet with suspicion, assuming that a great portion of them don't care about the health and wellness of the most vulnerable members of our community. I know that I need to radiate love and peace and pray and meditate and cut cords and picture the world in a fluffy ball of pink cotton candy. I know all this. Yet here I am sobbing quietly while cradling my baby as I write this message, so very afraid of what our future holds and reaching out to internet strangers for help. I'm sure I can't be alone in these feelings. How can I get past my anger and begin to trust again? Thanks so much for all you do. Your podcast is a beacon of light for so many during these dark times. Oh, I don't even know where to start with that, to be honest with you. I know. Um, the, the depth, the pain, the fear, and, and it's all... I can, I can feel it in my, my heart that this has been such a difficult and trying time for this person. And when you add an autoimmune issue and the babies and heart issues, and, and I think, but as empaths, I'm gonna switch this away from the story for just a second. As empaths, I think we all need to be gentle with ourselves and realize 
how much this energy has been impacting us on a, on a physical, personal, spiritual level. It doesn't matter which side. And, and you're right. We, we've never taken a stand either way because that's not why we're on this show. We're not here to advocate one way or the other. We're here to be, well, we're here as kind of a voice for all of you is the way that I look at it, that we're highly sensitive, empathic people trying to figure out how to navigate this world that's upside down right now. Uh, another part is, as I kept reading that note, and every time I said angry, 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 I felt it in my heart, in my solar plexus, and I felt my energy deplete. And I understand and I empathize, but also try trying to be more conscious of the way we are, are wording our feelings or, and I'm, I'm please, I am not in any way, shape or form discounting what this listener is going through. But I also know that what we put out comes back to us tenfold. And being in a place of fear and anger and mistrust is going to generate more of that energy. Uh, well, what is your thought on this? Well, I, I feel for her for so many reasons, but especially as a mother home with three young children trying to work from home, I had that in the back of my head that that whole year, that intense year where we were all home. I had teenagers at home, which makes it a lot easier. And I remember thinking, who would I have been as a mom if this had happened when my kids were babies? You know, because remember when your kids are little you feel kind of trapped in the house anyway, because you're regulated to nap schedules and um, all sorts of things like that. So I, I just, I just think we can't really begin to process what that year has done to us on an emotional level for a while. And anger, in my opinion, is the safest emotion to feel because it's reactionary. It's powerful. It makes us feel as though something is happening and shifting within us. And so if it's helping her to feel angry right now, then allow yourself to feel that anger, but know that it will transform. Anger is a stage of grief. And really, I think what so many people are going through during this strange time we're living in is, is grief. And I think that it's okay to be angry. I agree, Denise, that the feelings we feel come back to us. And so it is going to be important to work on transforming that, but I have learned I can't <laughs> I can't fake my way through emotions. You know what I mean? Like when I'm angry, I can't be like, well, I'm just going to pack that away and put on my smile. Like that doesn't work either. That makes my angry side more angry. So I think it's important for her to continue feeling these angry emotions and journaling about them. One thing that helps me retain my energy, I don't debate or discuss this at all with anyone because it's too contentious right now. You know, my daughter has a friend whose family, I don't think they left the house for a year. They had to wear masks on in the home. And, you know, my daughter was like, gosh, I miss my friend so much. And I can't believe she, you know, we can't even like wave to her. It was her birthday over the COVID and they just wanted to drop off a gift and wave to her from the window and the, and the parents wouldn't allow that. And I said, honey, everyone is dealing with this in the best way they can. And if that is working for them, we just need to honor and respect that. You know, and, and then she had friends, my other girls had friends whose parents were like, you know, flying off on vacations <laughs> during this and acting like it wasn't happening. And, and we were kind of like, huh. And I said, you know, we, you just have to, you have to greet everyone where they are on their path and not take it personally um, and try not to freak out about how different, how, how these different factions are dealing with this pandemic. We have politicized this pandemic, which makes me sad. However, if you look through history, it has happened before and we've gotten through it. It happened during the bubonic plague. It happened during the Spanish flu. Everything became political and divided during those times in our history as well. And we got through. And if you look at the timeline of history, when we got through it, we were actually a stronger, better society. And I think that we are in a birthing process. And 
as much as I loved being pregnant and giving birth, it's not a pretty thing, right? It's painful and emotional and tumultuous and difficult and gut-wrenching and wonderful, magical and miraculous all at the same time. But out of it comes a beautiful baby. And I just keep having hope and faith that out of this is going to come a beautiful baby of, of just new ways of connecting and linking in with each other. Something that has helped me, and this is just me personally, and I only use this as an example to say that I do think it's our responsibility to find something that helps us get through it. And I don't care if it's going for a jog. I don't care if it's baking cookies. I don't care if it's baking brownies, eating the whole batter raw, like whatever works for you and gets you through these difficult emotions. But what has helped me is rereading The Course in Miracles. And it's not a book you read in one sitting. So I just have it next to my desk and I read a couple of pages a day. But I look at every thought, every reaction that comes into my head. And I think, okay, is this coming from a place of love or fear? And that has helped me so much. I still am taking news breaks uh, lately that is on my children's advice because I sit down at the dinner table and I'm like, oh, did you guys hear that? Blah, blah, blah. And blah, blah, blah. And they're like, mom, you gotta stop. Mm-hmm. So I've taken news breaks and I've gone back to watching comedians. I, I just think comedians are such a gift to the world and they lighten and they lift that mood when we're feeling angry or alone or disconnected or confused. So as silly as it sounds, reading the course of miracles and watching comedians I don't care if it sounds silly. It has helped me tremendously. No, I don't think it's silly at all. And, you know, it's, it's really, I have truly, I understand because some of the things that are being said do hit my moral compass. I do want to say what the F is wrong with you. Are you really that stupid? Because it doesn't align with my personal truth. And I got to this point where I shut, I mean, I haven't watched the news. I'm I'm not oblivious, but I don't soak up the news like a sponge because I don't think it's healthy. And also taking media breaks from social media, incredibly important. But when I caught myself having a, a physical reaction to what people were saying or posting or what I was reading or seeing, I, I kind of got to this point where I thought, okay, everybody just needs to put down the cans of gasoline in the matches we have to let this settle so that we can come to that place. I still, I'm not being Pollyanna. I really think this all is a catalyst to a time of healing, grace, and global unity. I feel that. I believe that. And right now, your analogy of giving birth and, and, you know, it's not a pretty thing is so spot on because we are in this huge transition at a global level but I, I do, I trust and believe we'll get out on the other side of it into a time where we're actually going to look out for each other again. Yeah, I do too. It's happened before uh, and it's going to happen again. This is cyclical. We've been through this as a country. We've been through this as a world, as a society, and we've always gotten through it. And I think if you if you tracked it throughout history, We've come through it better than before. I mean, that that book, Better Angels of Our Nature, proved it. We are actually living in the most peaceful time in the history of the world, which sounds shocking given the news, right? Right. And yet there it is. So I do have a lot of hope in that. You know, I have a, a really good friend, and I think she kind of epitomizes what's happening with a lot of this discord. Her child her grown child and and her spouse are completely politically aligned in a different way. And it, it comes up all the time and they have these debates and she calls me crying and she's like, she, you know, they just don't see where I'm coming from. And, and I said to her, okay, here's a statement. I want you to memorize in practice when someone comes at you. Cause really that's what these debate things are, right? Like how can you wear a mask? How can you not wear a mask? Whatever the, the statement is, it's, it's an invitation to a fight that you don't have to show up for. And so I always said to her, say, wow, that's a really interesting thought. Thank you for that. I'm going to have to think about it. 
<laughs> it works. Yeah. It works every time. People only want to share their opinion and be told you're right. And if you don't feel comfortable ethically, morally, whatever saying, yeah, you are right, simply say, wow, that's an interesting perspective. I'll have to think about that. Thank you for sharing that. It shuts it down. Because I just don't think engaging in these debates is helpful to really anyone, unless you're a lawmaker, you know, unless you're like in a position where you're going to actually change things. I don't, I just, debating with your neighbor, arguing with your son-in-law, I don't know, who's that serving, Denise? Right. And, and I think as empaths paying attention to how am I feeling physically, mentally, and spiritually in the middle of this? How can I take back my own power? How can I find that peace? And another thing, this person who, who sent the note, yes, it's overwhelming. It's all these things, but that beautiful baby is here and you're holding it. Focusing on these, the beautiful children and having faith and moving forward is is a wonderful, um, may, may help. It may help things get a little more gentle and easier in your life. Yeah, I agree. But we all need to include everyone in our prayers at night and especially moms and dads of young kids who are trying to work from home. My, my heart goes out to you. And please know I have been praying for all of you because whew, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to switch gears for our next question. Hello, you two beautiful souls. Well, thank you. I'm wondering if you can help me. Can you define what exactly a night worker is and what kind of jobs that might entail? I'm not sure if this describes me or not, but in any case, I think the rest of your listeners might find it helpful. I've always had a hard time falling back to sleep in the middle of the night because it feels like thoughts and messages are coming from everywhere. Last night, I just had to say, okay, I need sleep. Could whatever's going on give me tonight off? <laughs> Okay, I think that's a great question. And I also think that's a wonderful way to fall asleep if you do need a night off. So for me, being a night worker is just a term I, I gave to show that we light workers, the people here who feel, I don't know, driven, inspired, or, or passionate about sharing love, light, and healing with the world as empaths, I feel that that job does not stop when we sleep. And we continue that. So that's why I termed it night worker, which, you know, in retrospect might not be the best phrase, but I'm also calling it soul traveler because what I think happens when we go to sleep, what I believe happens is that our soul travels to other dimensions. And sometimes in this soul travel, we are able to have a lucid dream, have an astral travel experience, connect with loved ones on the other side, meet with our guides and angels. But there's ample evidence to show that we are also traveling to people here on earth and assisting and helping them while we are quote unquote sleeping. And so a night worker is someone who continues to do the work of being an intuitive, a counselor, a healer while they sleep. And I'm not a hundred percent sure how it works, but the way I've described it before on this show and my other podcast, Psychic Teachers, I think that there is like a golden spider web around the world. And I know spider web is not really the best description, but it's the one that always comes to my mind. And it's the collective conscious. And if someone pulls on a thread that's also connected to us. So say, for example, you're an acupuncturist and somebody really needs acupuncture work. They can't afford it in their quote unquote real day life, but they need some acupuncture to help their meridians get straight. And they're, they're subconsciously pulling on that web, that collective web around the globe. And you are open to helping people during the day and at night while you're sleeping, your soul is gonna feel that tug. And your soul is going to travel to them and give them the acupuncture on an astral level while you're both sleeping. That person is going to wake up feeling great. You're going to wake up with hopefully some memories of that. But really, I don't think it matters if we remember them or not. I just think it's important to remember our dreams because it gives more fullness to our life. But I do believe that we are working 
many, many, many of us while we're sleeping. I have had experiences, obviously, that I've shared many times on the show, but I've also heard from so many listeners. There are therapists who have emailed me where they're sitting either at their actual office in their dream, or they're in a forest, or they're in a cave, or they're in a crowded market, and they're sitting with a person and giving them counseling. I've had chiropractors email me, nurses, Reiki practitioners, it goes on and on and on. And so I do believe that we're doing important work while we're sleeping. And as this listener said, yes, you can turn it off. If you need to just go to bed and go to sleep, you can turn it off. Now, she says that she has a hard time falling back to sleep because thoughts and messages are coming from everywhere. This is what's called the hypnagogic state. And so when you're falling asleep, scientists believe that we see these flashes of images and messages and people and places because it's our brain's way. All of our memories and dreams are stored in the hippocampus. So when we're falling asleep, it's our brain's way of storing that and filtering it out. However, spiritually inclined people, including some scientists, believe that when we are falling asleep, whether it's back to sleep or for the first time, those flashes of faces and messages are people calling out to us for assistance. But I think it's really important to point out that this goes both ways. So we talked earlier about dealing with a parent with Alzheimer's, right? And I had shared about this many times on the show. Last week, my sister and I, we we go to see my dad uh, every day. Like she goes every other day and then I go every other day. And then we both go together on Saturdays and Sundays. And last week, we both went on Saturday and he had no idea who we were. And it was, you know, we're getting used to that. But this time he was scared of us. Like he, it made him uncomfortable. And I went to the nurse and I said, my, my dad is so nervous and he doesn't know who we are. And he had this little piece of paper and he kept folding it and unfolding it. My dad's never been a fidgety, nervous person. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's so strange. We had our dance social hour at lunchtime and he was dancing with Alana and he was smiling and happy. And I was like, Oh, so my sister and I drove home and we just sobbed because we thought, what is going on? And and are these visits for him or for us? Do you know what I mean? Like is, are we getting to this point where it's upsetting him for us to visit him because he doesn't know who these two ladies are? And a couple of days later, I wake up and I, I check my email later that morning. And one of our dear listeners and a student who's taken our classes, just an amazing person and a wonderful medium, emailed me. And she said, I hope this isn't too personal, Samantha, but I had this dream that I was standing in what I think is your kitchen or your parents' kitchen. And I was helping you and your sisters to heal from the difficulties of taking care of your parents. Oh. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was funny because she said, I think the counters were white. Um, and I also saw a lot of pink. <laughs> well, whatever house we lived in, my mom insisted everything be white. Like we had a white living room with like white couch and white wing back chairs and or white carpet. The walls were white, but everything else was decorated in mauve and hunter green. So I really think she was in one of our childhood homes. So I thanked her profusely for that. Then my sister called me like 10 minutes after I responded to her email. And she said, Smitha, I woke up and I just feel at peace with what's happening with dad. I feel like it's, it's going to be okay. And we just have to take it one day at a time. So I'm going to go see him today and I'll let you know how it goes. And so she texted me, great visit with dad. The first thing he said when I walked in was, hi, Courtney, which is Aww. pretty amazing because he does not remember our names usually. And then I went the next day and he and I had a fan. We talked for an hour. Now, granted, it's, you know, you can't really talk to him. Like I'll say stuff and he'll say, oh yeah, 22. Like it just doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. But he loves the act of sitting and, and like pretending to talk. And so I think whatever, whatever Susie did in that dream experience it, it definitely healed my sisters and I, and, and it helped. And we've had great visits with my dad since. So Nightworker works both ways. If you are a Nightworker, 
just know that on the nights where you don't have any dream experiences, it might be because another night worker is helping you to heal. Oh, that that's beautiful. That is so, so beautiful. It comes back to our premise of community and looking out for each other and sending healing and prayers. It works. It, it really does. works. It really, really does. Well, remember that listener, she said, I was uh, woke up in the middle of the night and I just felt the need to pray for someone, like not for me, but for someone. And she's like, I'm not like a super, you know, praying person, but, but I, I just devoted a bunch of prayers and said, whoever needs these, I want these prayers to go to that person. And she wakes up the next morning and her roommate was like, I don't know what the heck happened when I was sleeping, but I woke up and I feel just amazing. I feel filled with so much love, peace, and joy. And so the listener was saying, I think my prayers went to her. And I I completely agree. So we don't, sometimes if we just say a prayer and it doesn't have to be a spit, like you don't have to open up your, your specific religious book and, you know, memorize a prayer. It could just be, I would like to send love and healing and comfort and sustenance and joy to who, whomever needs it at this moment, just saying that it's going to go somewhere. It's going to help someone. And, and I think remembering that, that we have that ability as you're, as you're walking through that grocery store aisle, <laughs> you, you can ask to send a blessing to every person that passes you. Yes. Very, very nice. Incredibly nice. Uh, so our, our next uh, question, statement, story. Uh, Hi, Samantha and Denise. I recently started listening to your podcast and I've been able to relate in many ways with your content. I'm happy I subscribed to your podcast. Lately, I've been having lots of vivid dreams, especially with family members who have passed away. I feel static energy in my body. I experience when I turn lights on and off or even when I kiss or touch my husband. I feel very emotional all of a sudden. I wake up with a positive mindset, but if I watch something on the TV that's sad, I start crying. I've been meditating and doing yoga. I hope that I hope you can give me some advice. I think, and I say this a lot, but it's so true, tapping into that collective energy. It has been a roller coaster. It has been extreme with the the hair trigger of you're fine and then you're exhausted, you're fine and then you're crying. It just feels like a very volatile uh you know, we've, we've mentioned this before. It's like the world is in a giant mood disorder right now. With the static electricity, what popped into my head was needing to get grounded or needing to discharge that energy in some way. But then the people in the dreams would, would be visits uh, from, from those who have passed away, which is always a lovely gift and one of the number one ways people in spirit will come through to us. Yeah. And I think it's important to monitor your vibrations and note what is bringing my vibrations up and what is bringing my vibrations down. And while it is important to stay connected to current events and news, is it important to stay up to date every single day? Maybe not. And so paying attention to, oh, when I watch this, I don't feel so good. Or when I look at this movie with this image, it doesn't really resonate with me. When I read this book, when I talk to this person, paying attention to what brings your energy up and what brings it down is really, really important because that's how we're going to stay on our path. And there's a meditation I've started doing where I just visualize Metatron's cube and you know we're running out of time, so I won't go into all of that, but you can Google Metatron's cube. I, I visualize that that golden cube at the top of my head. And I, with every inhale, I breathe it into each chakra. And as on each exhale, it goes to the next chakra and until it's at my feet, that has been a wonderful meditation to just clear and cleanse from me, anything that is no longer serving me. And so I would recommend you either try that type of meditation or try another meditation that works for you and, and see if that, how that helps as well. Okay, our next question says, my name is Anna and I'm an Oracle and Angel Card reader in Nebraska. My sister and I listen to your podcast and follow you on Facebook. I had the chance to catch up with her to discuss a recent Reiki experience I had. I explained to her that the Reiki practitioner 
had seen and removed three spirits from my energy field. The practitioner also said at least two of the three spirits had been with me throughout different lifetimes. I told her I was aware that spirits can attach to you in your current lifetime, but I'd never heard of spirits literally being with you throughout different lifetimes. Being raised in a Catholic family, I always thought our souls were born as pure and not having attachments. I've always thought our souls may carry memories or fears accumulated in past lives with them, but I'd never heard of actual spirit attachments clinging onto you and going through different lifetimes with you. Therefore, my sister suggested I contact you in case you might be able to clarify this. Would you be able to provide additional insight or share your beliefs about it? I appreciate your time. Okay, I, I don't know what I think about that. Um, I, I read this email and I thought, oh, how am I going to answer this online? I'll just hope the answer comes to me as I'm talking. And it still has not come to me. I've read a lot of books on spiritual releasement therapy, and I would recommend that, uh, Anna, you check out William J. Baldwin's Spiritual Releasement Therapy or his uh, book, Healing Lost Souls, because it talks a lot about this concept. Sometimes I wonder if aspects of ourselves from our past life cling to us, right? Like one of my children has a very big fear of water. And when she was a little girl, a baby, she had nightmares of drowning in a tsunami. And now we've never done a past life regression on her because I just feel that she should be older and, and whatnot. But I think we can pretty much surmise that something in her past life happened with water. And so possibly there's an aspect of her that is from that past life that's holding on. And I don't know that I would call it a separate spirit. Now, could a, a separate, totally different unknown spirit cling to you through different lifetimes? I don't know. I think anything is possible. But I do want to say one thing first. Whenever someone tells you something in a reading or a healing session, it's important to test it and make sure it really resonates with you. Because when I first read this, I thought, what if some of these were like her guides? <laughs> did you think that, Denise? Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> I don't know. But if you if you read about a spiritual releasement therapy, it is it is kind of scary because there is this belief that earthbounds can attach to us and they can kind of drain our energy or influence some of our thoughts and behaviors, block our progress. And it does, it does kind of scare me. Even M. Scott Peck wrote a book about this after, after his wonderful uh, book, People of the Lie, led him to kind of a, a darker side of, of spirituality. So if you haven't read People of the Lie, that's another book I'd recommend. Um, but I don't know. I, I think what I always do, and it's just my personal belief, I always rely on Archangel Michael. I've got that dude working so hard for me. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what he's, but I always say, Archangel Michael, please send your team to help me. So I feel like he can just dispatch like helpers, but I always ask him to clear me of any negative energy from within, without, or around me. Um, and I ask him to always shed from my energy, any, anything that is not serving my highest good. And that seems to work for me. What do you think about this whole concept of spiritual attachment? I, oh, I think it's a real thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know about going through multiple lifetimes, though I do know that there are a lot of beliefs around there that that can around that that it can be a possibility that it can, and people believe that very fervently. That yes, this can happen. It can follow you. Can have it released. Uh, but my, my concern is I don't, I don't want to say anything. Well, no, I, we're, we're both being pretty ambivalent in, in a sense of we're, we're being honest. We don't know. But people sometimes say, oh, I think I have something attached. Maybe I have. And I don't want to plant that seed because 100, 100% agree with you. Any reading, any session, any experience you have where you've consulted someone else, I would say even a counselor or a, a practitioner that might be more traditional, if it doesn't feel right for you, you don't have to, to own that. You don't have to say, you say, you know what, I can take bits and pieces of this because I think uh, subject to change and free will, which I start every reading with, but also 
not giving away your power and, and fostering a belief or a feeling. So another thing to consider is after removing that, because then you can get into shamanic work and soul retrieval and entity removal. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that's old and deep. So just because you and I haven't experienced it or don't have a base of knowledge in it, it doesn't mean it's not there. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why it's important to do some research on that. But I think at the end of the day, our job is to take care of ourselves and our light. And if you work on that, I think as an, as a byproduct of that work, whether it's shadow work or meditation or thriving through your spiritual awakening, the, the byproduct is if there is anything negative clinging onto you, it's no longer going to want to cling onto you because it's not going to be matching your vibration. Cause these things that do cling to us, they're not vibing high <laughs> or no. else they wouldn't have to be parasites. Right? So if you work on yourself and getting your vibes as high as they can be, you're going to rise above this parasitic energy. And I, and I think that's important, but yeah. gosh, Denise, if someone wants to cling to me through lifetimes, they're going to be bored. I mean, <laughs> I mean, really, what is the divorce rate now? Like 60%. I mean, if people can't make it together through one lifetime, how are these things clinging on to someone through several lifetimes? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, clearly some more research needs to be done on that. We hope you guys have enjoyed the show. And we really, again, appreciate so much you all taking the time to share your thoughts and questions and stories and insights with us. If you'd like to share anything with us for our August community connections, you can always email us enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can message us on our Facebook page where you can find us and join us at Enlightened Empaths. And if you enjoy the show, we appreciate it if you would tell a friend or leave us a kind review on whatever platform you're listening to. Also wanted to announce that Denise and I are going to be teaching our mediumship classes in September and October. If you're interested in that, you can email us Samantha at samanthafay.com or denise at thegratefulmessenger.com. We hope you have a wonderful week. Please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light. Take care.